1: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, and we're wrapping up our first week of this brand new podcast. We have the largest and most experienced farm news team in Texas standing by to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. August was hot and dry for West Texas cotton
2: producers. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more on that story coming up on Texas Ag Today.
3: The Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association Convention and Expo are going virtual this year. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have that story coming up.
1: Plus, we'll have the latest news from Washington and a complete look at the markets coming up later in the podcast. But first, here's a look at news headlines. August was hot and dry for West Texas cotton producers. Tom Nicoletti visits with one Southern Plains cotton grower about conditions on his farm.
2: We go to West Texas, and Eddie Griffiths is standing by, reporting for us, and uh, also in his cotton field out there. And uh, Eddie, uh, as uh, we uh, conclude the month of August, tell us about the uh, the conditions out there from a the standpoint of uh, rainfall and, and the
4: heat. Well, Tom, it's been hot and dry through the month of August, as it was pretty much through the month of July, and we've probably gone through about as many resources of irrigation as we can and as far as the cotton corn and sorghum crop, they're utilizing every bit of that moisture and still really not any rain in the forecast to speak of that, that will be beneficial to this crop at this time. So probably what we're gonna start seeing, we're gonna we're seeing cotton throw that white flag of surrender up even on the irrigated side, saying that it's had enough and it's probably done for the year and hopefully the yield potential will be there for that crop but it's gonna been a lot better with with some rainfall i know great producers are going to see what they they've got out there for great producers this has probably been a good year because hot and dry that, that bowls well for grapes and they're checking sugar content right now and going to start getting those off the vine
2: how are the winds uh, out there at this point
4: the winds Tom, have not been terrible. You know, generally, when you and I have a conversation, wind is going to be a part of that conversation. We're going to have our our normal 10, 20, 30-mile-an-hour winds, but we've been able to keep it below that 40, 50-mile-an-hour mark, and and that helps. I mean, when you have temperatures at 100-plus degrees and then turn on the furnace of 30, 40 mile per hour winds, the supplemental irrigation that we're putting on out there becomes pretty much null and void because evaporation takes that and the crop's not able to utilize that moisture.
2: At what stage are these uh, crops, uh, Eddie, in the growing stages?
4: Well, cotton, pretty much, you can look across the board, whether it was early planted, late planted, replanted, it's getting to the point of no return. It's going through cutout, it's done all that it's going to do. You're going to start seeing producers probably start applying harvest aids. I would suspect middle of september on some crops especially the dryland crop that crop has been done for a while so they'll be going out there getting that crop ready to come out of the field sorghum corn is all over the board if it's replant early planted you're going to see a little bit of everything me personally i have some late corn and it's tasseling right now you know i was hoping that with it being later that we would see cooler temperatures some moisture to help get that crop through that's not happening so Pouring irrigation to it, and I hope it's enough that it'll it'll be able to to make some pretty decent corn. But it, it's optimally that's not what we're looking for this time of year. That's the hand Mother Nature has dealt us, and let's we'll deal with it.
2: That report coming to us today from Eddie Griffiths out in West Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: The Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association convention and expo are going virtual this year. Jessica Domo has more.
3: This year's Cattle Raisers Convention and Expo will be held September 15th and 16th. Stacy Fox, TSCRA's Executive Director of Events and Education, joins us with more.
5: While we wish we could meet in person, we are flipping it to a virtual format, but we're still going to have a lot of the great content and speakers that people are used to hearing. We have Evan Smith, the CEO and co-founder of Texas Tribune. We have Randy Block, who's the CEO of Cattle Facts. And we have a good mixture, I think, of practice practical content that people can take back to the ranch and use along with industry issues and bigger picture industry topics that we're going to discuss as well.
3: The agenda will cover topics ranging from practical tips for landowners to consumer trends and policy updates from Austin and Washington DC. Fox said the virtual event could allow people who normally cannot attend the in-person event to watch the sessions when they have time.
5: There's no hotel costs, there's no travel, you don't have to be away from the ranch for days. What is great too is we have a mixture of on-demand and live content. So some of the content is going to be delivered to you already created, some of it will be live over the September 15th and 16th dates, but the great part is that all of it is going to be recorded and available to registrants after the event. So if, say, you miss one during the convention itself.
3: On-demand sessions will cover topics like landowner liability, wildlife management, sustainable parasite control in cattle, succession planning, use of drones and ranching, and more.
5: A great popular session that we have is an Ag Law update where we have Tiffany Dow Lashman, Jim Bradbury, and Amber Miller. And they're going to be talking about some of the issues related to fence law, water law, liability issues, and those kinds of things. So those are always really popular topics. We also have like Dr. Dusty Abner, with Cargill Animal Nutrition, who's going to talk about uh, nutrition related to reproduction. We've got some sessions on weaning calves. We've got sessions on wildlife as well. We've got a great session as well uh, with Dr. Frank Mittloner about how agriculture was able to influence Burger King's ad and how we were able to come in and have that conversation with them about the contribution of cattle to greenhouse gas emissions. So we've got a really diverse program, we feel like
3: registration is open to everyone, not just TSCRA members.
5: We tried to make a program that had content and had information that was applicable to anyone at any level within the industry and no matter herd size. Whether you have five or 500 cows, we feel like we have content for you as well as something that you will find of interest. But again, no, they do not have to be members to attend and we would welcome anyone with an interest in the cattle industry to join us.
3: A full schedule and registration is available on CattleRaisersConvention.com. That is CattleRaisersConvention.com. Cost is $149 for access to over 25 hours of live and on-demand content. Again, that's CattleRaisersConvention.com. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Duhlmull.
1: Low fed cattle prices have been with us for a few months now thanks to COVID-19. Prices have improved, but feedlot losses have been growing. Ross Wilson, president of the Texas Cattle Feeders Association, says that's because when prices tanked back in March, many of those cattle were hedged. And that's not the case right now. Prices were under uh, duress from COVID, but a lot of those cattle were hedged. And so people were fortunate, and there was a very strong basis. So people were fortunate not to be losing money. That's not the case today. Most of those cattle, cattle that were hedged then and been marketed. The cattle that are being sold right
6: now losing 200 plus dollars a head.
1: But with the very light placements in April and May, Wilson hopes the smaller supply will result in some profits this fall. We think that the months of April and May were, because of COVID concerns and a lot of other things, there were very light placements of cattle in the feed yard. So that'll manifest itself later this year and we're looking for prices to rally into the fall I'm not going to attempt to predict to what level and when but uh our our members continue to be optimistic but right now it's pretty tough Texas Cattle Feeders Ross Wilson A group of US senators is asking for COVID-19 aid for wheat growers members of the Senate Agriculture Committee as well as other Senate colleagues sent a bipartisan letter to US Secretary of Agriculture Sonny Perdue That letter is requesting that funds in the CARES Act be provided to wheat growers of all wheat varieties to address price impacts from COVID-19. Texas Senator John Cornyn has signed on to that letter. New pandemic relief for agriculture may be back on the table after Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin agreed this week to try to resurrect failed talks with congressional Democrats. Mnuchin spoke by phone with House Speaker Nancy Pelosi after a key Democrat asked him to do so at a House hearing.
6: Oh, I believe there's enormous uh, agreement on the PPP. I think there's uh, an agreement on money for schools. There may be a difference as to what it is. There's an agreement on enhanced Unemployment going forward, there may be a slight disagreement in what the amount is in calculation. I think there's been uh, an, an agreement on direct payments, as I mentioned earlier. There was even an agreement on postal.
1: But Mnuchin, Pelosi, and top Senate Democrat Chuck Schumer remained far apart on top line numbers.
6: Unfortunately, uh, Senator Schumer and. Uh, Speaker Pelosi do not want to sit down at the negotiating table unless we publicly agree on a top line. My own opinion is we should go piece by piece in any area of the legislation we can agree on. We should have the House and the Senate pass.
1: House Democrats included some agriculture aid in their HEROES Act, which the Senate GOP never took up. Senate Republicans added $20 billion in direct agriculture aid in their latest proposed bill, while USDA continues to distribute some $34 billion under the earlier CARES Act. The growth of drought coverage nationwide has led to growing concerns as winter wheat planting gets underway and pasture and rangeland condition deteriorates in places. Rod Bain reports from Washington.
6: As winter wheat planting begins in parts of the country.
1: It's worth noting that almost a quarter, 24 percent of the U.S. winter wheat production area is currently in drought. Compare that to a year ago in early September 2019 when only 8 percent of the U.S. production area was in drought. Which USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey says is a growing concern. Especially from winter wheat, hard red winter wheat country westward. Also of concern, rangeland and pasture conditions are at their lowest levels since the drought of 2012, based on USDA NASS condition numbers. So we are certainly seeing impacts from this wide-ranging drought that is primarily affecting the West, but also has snaked its way into parts of the Midwest with drought intensification increasing nationwide, as almost 40% of the contiguous U.S. was recorded in drought as of September 1st. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C.
3: The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is hosting a drawing that will allow some Texans the opportunity to harvest a large alligator gar. I'm Jessica Dolmel and I'll have more on Texas Ag Today.
1: Plus, Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd discusses a deadly condition for young dairy calves. Stay with us. Those stories are coming up next on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house?
0: You're listening to the latest news in
1: Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is hosting a drawing that will allow some Texans the opportunity to harvest a large alligator gar. Jessica Dommel has the story.
3: Are you interested in catching a large alligator gar? This month, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department will accept entries for a drawing to harvest a large alligator gar from one of the most popular segments of the Trinity River. Anglers with a license year or a year from purchase fishing license can enter the drawing for an opportunity to harvest an alligator gar more than 48 inches long from a section of the Trinity River. The section of the river covered by the Harvest Authorization is from the I-30 bridge in Dallas, downstream to the I-10 bridge in Chambers County, including Lake Livingston and the East Fork of the Trinity River, upstream to the dam at Lake Ray Hubbard. That includes the following counties, Anderson, Chambers, Dallas, Ellis, Freestone, Henderson, Houston, Kaufman, Leon, Liberty, Madison, Navarro, Polk, San Jacinto, Trinity, and Walker. TPWD's Inland Fisheries Director Craig Bonds said that segment of the river has become one of the most popular destinations in the world to catch a large alligator gar. The harvest authorization drawing was implemented last year to give anglers the opportunity to harvest one of the large gar while preventing overfishing on the river. Winners of the random drawing will be notified by October 15th and will have until October 31st of 2021 to harvest a large alligator Gar from the river. Last year, 150 people had the opportunity. All alligator gar, including those harvested by winners of the drawing, must be reported on the My Texas Hunt Harvest mobile app or website within 24 hours of being caught on a public freshwater or saltwater body. You can apply for the large gar harvest authorization and report catches on the My Texas Hunt Harvest app. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domal.
1: Texas dairymen should be on the lookout for a deadly condition in young dairy calves. Dr. Bob Judd has more on this very serious problem.
6: For those of you raising dairy calves, abomasal bloat is a real problem. Abomasal bloat is due to the rapid accumulation of gas in the abomasum, which is the last of the calf's four stomach compartments and the only one functional in a very young calf. Bloat causes abdominal distention, so these calves appear bloated and have depression, pain, diarrhea, and some calves do not survive. Dr. Brian Miller with Merck indicates the condition is not difficult to diagnose, but is difficult to treat. The syndrome usually occurs in calves 5 to 21 days of age, and the cause is unknown. But it is believed to be due to gas-producing bacteria in the abomasum, an excess of readily fermentable carbohydrates, or anything that delays emptying of the abomasum. Clostridium bacteria are found routinely in the digestive tract of the calf, but if something causes increased growth, these organisms produce gas and could cause the problem. Milk-based and plant-based milk replacers are commonly fed to calves, and high or low osmolality solutions can delay emptying of contents out of the abomasum, which gives bacteria time to ferment nutrients and leads to gas production and bloat. Osmolality of the solution is basically the number of dissolved particles in a solution. So, osmolality can be affected by variations in total solids, addition of electrolytes to milk, improper mixing or feeding a poor quality milk replacer. Some believe that accelerated feeding programs are the cause, but these are okay as long as you have fresh water available to dilute the milk. It is recommended to use a Brie refractometer to measure total solids and prevent feeding inconsistent rations to your calves. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: Well, it was a rough week for the cattle market. We saw prices move lower throughout the week in both futures and cash. However, here on Friday, we actually closed on a positive note in the cattle complex. We'll take a closer look at all the cattle, cotton, grain, and energy markets coming up next on Texas Ag Today.
3: After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery.
0: Visit Texas Farm Bureau insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening
1: in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. It was a tough week for the cattle markets this week. We saw lower closes in futures throughout most of the week. We saw the cash markets drift lower as well. However, here on Friday, we did actually end up in positive territory on the futures market, both live and feeder cattle futures ending in the black. October live cattle up 52 cents, 104.45. December up 65, 108.47. February live cattle up 77, 112.45. On the feeder futures, October was up 17 cents, 138.50. November feeder cattle up 15, 139.52. Now, switching over to the cash markets, we'll start with Fed Cattle, where, as I mentioned, prices just drifted lower throughout the week. We saw early sales in the week as high as 105 in the Midwest, those sales coming out of Iowa. Here in Texas, it looked like 103 was where we were at most of the week. We actually saw some sales as low as 102. So it looks like two to four bucks lower across the board on Fed cattle this week. Up north, dressed cattle 162 to 163. Again, that's two to four dollars lower compared to last week. Box beef prices lower, choice down 72 cents, 226.52. Select down 220 at 210.30. Now let's check out a couple of feeder cattle auctions here in Texas. We'll start up in the panhandle. Tulia Livestock Auction, Tulia, Texas, selling 1,211 head. Feeder, steers, and heifer sold steady to $2 lower. Four to 500-pound steers range from $1.42 to $1.49 a pound. Five to six-weight steers, $1.35 to $1.53. Six to 700-pounders, $1.34 to $1.47 a pound and 7-8 weight steers range from $1.37 to $1.43. Jordan cattle auction, San Saba, had a big run, 3,520 head yesterday. The trend was steady to higher, 2-3 to three weight steers, $1.70 to $1.90 a pound, 3-4 weights, $1.65 to $1.86 Five to six hundred pounders, a dollar fifty to a dollar seventy-six a pound. Five to six weight steers, a dollar thirty to a dollar forty-seven. Six to seven weights, a dollar thirty-five to a dollar thirty-nine. And seven to eight hundred pound steers brought a dollar twenty to a dollar Slaughtered cows range from twenty to seventy-two cents. Slaughtered bulls, seventy to ninety cents. Stocker cows, six hundred twenty to eight hundred eighty a head. With cow-calf pairs bringing 900 to 1250 a pair, the cotton market closed higher on Friday, getting support from outside markets. The Labor Department releasing the latest unemployment rate, 8.4 percent. That's down from last month's 10.2 percent rate. The stock market took that as a friendly factor and moved higher. That spilled over into a higher close for the cotton market. We finished with October cotton up 56 points, 6412. New crop December cotton up 71 at 64.99. Kansas City wheat closed lower. A firmer dollar continuing to limit any gains that we may have in the wheat market right now. Kansas City wheat at a 77 cent discount to Chicago wheat. We closed with the December wheat contract down 3 and a quarter, 472.5. New crop July wheat down 2 and a half, Corn closed higher, September corn up two and three quarters, three hundred forty seven and a quarter, December corn up four and a quarter three hundred fifty eight a bushel. Natural gas higher with the October up nine cents two hundred and fifty eight, October crude oil down a dollar fifty nine, thirty nine seventy eight a barrel. Well, that wraps up this first week of the Texas Ag Today podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. If you like what you hear, please hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss an episode. Also, we'd appreciate a review or a rating. If you're on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate us and review us. That's a great way to tell others that we've got a good podcast going and they ought to check us out. Well, have a great Labor Day weekend. We're going to take Labor Day off. No podcast on Monday. I'll see you right back here on Tuesday on the Texas Ag Today podcast.
0: Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today.